Hey, wait, wait. What does this say here, this thing here? Oh, that? Oh, that's the usual clause. That's in every contract. That just says, uh, it says, uh, if any of the parties participating in this contract are shown not to be in their right mind, the entire agreement is automatically nullified. Well, I don't know. It's all right. That, that's in every contract. That's, that's what they call a sanity clause. <laughs> you can't fool me. There ain't no sanity clause. Welcome to Punk Lotto Pod. I'm your co-host Justin Hensley. I'm your other co-host Dylan Hensley. And this is the show where we choose a year at random and select one punk, hardcore, emo, or punk-adjacent album from that year to discuss. Uh, we're not doing a year today, we're doing a season. And it's not really random, because it's just based on what we did last year. But we'll get into that. Yeah, we're doing our seasonal Christmas episode. Second annual. Uh, yes. Our seasonal latte. <laughs> the peppermint mocha of our podcast. <laughs> Did it feel like there weren't as many seasonal flavored things this year? I don't know. My world is nothing but holiday spiced Sprite or whatever it's called because my wife, in a scarcity mindset, as she described it, purchased two cases of it. Uh, so I have a whole case that hasn't even been opened yet. Like I drank a whole case that's right. And we're debating whether or not she should return it. Because <laughs> it's like, do I need to drink two whole cases of the Sprite? She doesn't really like it. She's drank like a handful of them. So I have drank most of it. Uh, it's like, do I need to drink 24 holiday Sprites? Uh, so, no, I haven't really I have not been going out to try to get other kinds of Christmassy flavored things because I'm like, well, I got to get through my Sprites. <laughs> So I got a case of the zero sugar version of that Sprite, which I did on Moon Pies for Misfits on, if you want to check that out. And I, your wife was right. Scarcity mindset. I've not seen it again since then. So it's gone already. I, they probably, yeah, I mean, they probably shipped the one batch and then they were like, that's it. Yeah. And they're gone, I, they're saw, gone. I saw the full sugar one in the little mini cans at uh, Aldi, but I don't drink full sugar sodas. We nice. have had we we have had the no keep going while we're, we're let's keep riffing on the winter cranberry <laughs> right so there used to just be a regular cran we want a sprite cranberry was like the joke the meme that everybody made because of the what the commercial before all the movies and then they made the spiced winter cranberry I don't know what they were going for with the spice spiced I liked the regular cranberry sprite. It's, I mean, it's not, there's not much to it. It mostly just tastes like Sprite, but yeah. I don't know if they were trying to go for like a Yule Mist. Who was that? Was that Sierra Mist? <clears throat> Yule Mist is like, let me see if I can find the, the soda. It's J U L 
M-U-S-T. It's the Swedish um, oh. spiced like winter soda. I thought it was a Christmas Sierra mist. Um, I want to say there is like like an American, like a Midwestern American or maybe even like Canadian equivalent to it. Something that's like similar flavor wise, but I can't remember what it was called. Or maybe I'm just like mixing things up. But it's like a it's like a malty Sprite. Weird. I think that uh, Sprite with this winter cranberry spiced mix, they were trying to go more for like the ginger ale crowd, like the cranberry ginger ale. So it's probably just got ginger in it. Yeah, it doesn't taste like ginger ale, though. No, it definitely still tastes like a lemon lime drink. But I think ginger is the holiday spice they added, really because it's the only holiday spice that anybody adds to drinks, usually. Because the other thing people add to holiday stuff is like peppermint. Like that's that's the only other thing. Yeah, mint soda doesn't. (laughs) I'm surprised Pepsi didn't try something like that this year because that's like a Pepsi move. Like they did the uh, the the hot Pepsi or the fire Pepsi, like just like cinnamon in Pepsi. That seems like a thing they would have done. Been like winter mint Pepsi. (laughs) It's like it's like you were chewing a piece of evergreen gum. (laughs) I Um, did. I did drink a Mountain Dew Fruit Quake. I actually filmed a Moonpatcher Misfits. I need to post that before Christmas is over. It's their new, you know, because they they just started doing Christmas stuff with Mountain Dew last year. Last year was like the Ginger Snapped, which I did not try because it sounded gross. But Fruit Quake was like, well, fruits fruit is in Fruit Cake, and that's in Mountain Dew. It might work better. It worked fine. It was okay. It um, but again, I found that one in November. And I've yet to find that again either. So it's like people. Do you think people are now hoarding these things when they find them? Maybe. I'm sure did, there are people buying a lot of them. Did flip culture get to the soda market? Because there was already a little bit of it with all the special Mountain Dews. This is this is like the Pokemon of last year. You couldn't. You could only buy one pack at Target because people were just waiting till they were put on the shelf and buying the whole case and then flipping them online. It's funny that like it took till now for soda to get the flip culture because like 2020 pandemic, that's when all the flip culture shit blew up big time. I mean, I think maybe it goes back to it probably started with the Crystal Pepsi. Yeah. Revival. People were definitely like buying all of them on site. I mean, I don't see people like listing them for sale anywhere. So like I don't. Yeah. I don't know. Or maybe just where I live. The Pepsi distributor sucks at their job and just doesn't load anything up. And if I was in Charlotte, I could find all this shit everywhere. Yeah, I mean, I haven't gone to the store. I haven't specifically looked to see if you could still get this Sprite, but you could definitely get the worst Mountain Dew flavors, the watermelon and the spark, like the the pink lemonade ones. I liked the spark. Okay enough. It was juicy. It's too lemony. That's why I didn't like it that much. I have had some of the little debbie christmas cakes yeah and the um can't find the christmas tree cakes you can find the christmas brownies which are just pretty much just cosmic brownies that they cut with a christmas tree <laughs> cookie cutter <laughs> yeah uh, so they're smaller you get less brownie for yeah. the same price i've been able to find the christmas trees primarily at food lion food lion's like the best place for that stuff uh walmart has them sold individually you can buy them by themselves yeah, I should probably look at Vons. I should probably go look at the Vons, see if they have them. 
feel like that's the Food Lion equivalent out here. Yeah, we you can get the jumbos at Food Lion. I haven't seen the jumbos anywhere else but Food Lion though. You can't generate you generally can't find little Debbie stuff very easily in LA though. It's Yeah. You find what? hosts of stuff all over mm. the place, but it's garbage, so Oh yeah, most hostess is bad. Yeah, they're not good. What else? Zingers? Zingers are the only good hostess thing? Twinkies yeah, are awful. Twinkies are bad. Ding dongs are fine. They're just not good. Wait, is Ding Dong the two? That's the ho ho. That's the that's the Swiss cake roll knockoff. One's the round one, one's the cylindrical one. I can't believe this is how we're starting our uh, <laughs> Christmas spectacular. We had to pat it. <laughs> uh, yeah, ho ho's are the Swiss cake knockoffs that they're not very good. I, f- I fucking love. A white chocolate peppermint pretzel. Those things are. I will get a bag of that from Aldi. Has them right now. I get a bag of those. They're gone in like two days. Yeah. They're so fucking good. And then you, except for the bottom of the bag where it's just all the little pieces of the peppermint bark stuck to, <laughs> in the bottom of the bag. You're just eating, yeah, little pieces of peppermint and like <laughs> the white fudge, the white chocolate that has flaked off. <laughs> Is it pretzel crisps makes the one brand They're, they even do like a dark chocolate pretzel one mini peppermint pretzel. I don't know. I feel like I haven't really seen the, they didn't go all out this year. The, the industry, even looking at the candy M&Ms have some stuff, but they always have a little bit of something. There's more Reese's variations. Reese's is like pumping out so many different, like we put Reese's in a bar shape. <laughs> we put Reese's in a giant cup. We jammed this Reese's full of Reese's pieces. <laughs> we made Butterfinger better. I did have one of those the other day. What's that? Uh, I don't remember what it's called. Because um, I had a regular Butterfinger the other day, and I'm like, God, I remember why I, I, I stopped eating these things. It's the, I want to say it's the Crunchy Peanut, outra- like the Outrageous. Outrageous? No, outrageous is the one with the Reese's in it. Pieces in it. Pieces. <laughs> uh i didn't i didn't take a picture of it because it was kind of a shame purchase um oh that was not a moon pies for misfits no it was was, i'm walking to the train because i missed the bus um (laughs) so i'll stop at the 7-eleven and but i was like oh this is just a butterfinger and they're like well it's actually a better butterfinger (laughs) butterfinger better yeah, for using Bart Simpson as their you know, advertising campaign for so long, it really didn't make me want to eat Butterfinger anymore. Because once you're an adult and <laughs> that shit starts sticking in your teeth, <laughs> it just you're like, hope. this is awful. It just builds up on your teeth, too. It's weird. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like the snow that freezes to your shoes. <laughs> Yeah, I was just saying, what is uh, what's your holiday plans this year? You got out of coming home again. So. Yeah, because it's too expensive. Yeah, the flights are just—they are permanently high around Christmas now. They are yeah. just like we will never drop these prices. They are set year round. <laughs> you will pay what you pay. You have to pay. And then we don't even know if we're in, like, if we were to come, we have to go everywhere, and we need a car, yeah. and. I don't know if anyone can lend us a car and car rentals are insane. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was going to rent a car for Fest and I was like, these are higher than they used to be. Yeah. It's like it it was going to cost me the same to rent it for like four days that it used to cost me to rent it for like seven. So I was like, that's not normal. 
Um, and I did not put in my time off for uh, <laughs> in time because they did a earlier cutoff for that this year because our uh, new director is um, cracking the whip on a lot of stuff. But so I'm not doing anything. I am working Christmas Eve, which is annoying, but maybe I get paid extra that day. The tips get, should be good. Maybe. And should be fairly slow. It won't be dead. It's a Saturday night. It'll be pretty busy, but yeah, hopefully it'll be one of those nights where it's like busy early and then tapers off really nicely. And then you get out at like 1030, 1045. Um, yeah. It doesn't turn into like 10 people that want to sit there until 11 o'clock drinking espresso martinis. <laughs> <laughs> We're staying up to get drunk all over again. Yeah, um, not... So I work Saturday. I have Sunday and Monday off because I'm going to go to the uh, John Rivera Memorial show in Winston. Catharsis, prayer for cleansing, Code 7, Azazel, Riot Stairs, and one more. Oh, I can't remember who the other one was. But So I'm doing that Saturday. It like starts at like 3 p.m., which is pretty awesome. There's going to be food trucks. I'm looking forward to that. And then uh, come home. And crash, I guess. Like, I actually don't have a lot going on next week, thankfully. I think either Thursday or Friday I'm supposed to go to Charlotte. We're going to do some, like, gingerbread house thing with our grandmother at Ballantine. It's similar to the one that happens in uh, the Grove Arcade in Asheville. Huh. I think. Where people look at gingerbread houses. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, go to, I think, going to our parents, my parents on uh, Sunday morning. And then the wife's parents Sunday afternoon, but and then back to work on Monday and actually work an extra day on Tuesday because they're offering people to make up their lost time. Even though we're getting paid for Christmas Day, they're offering to let people come in and work another shift during the week. So it actually will be a better paycheck. I'll work three days that work week and then uh, get paid for Christmas Day. So that'll be busy, but just in time to pay rent. Next week, the week after. Uh, this weekend, we're doing well. Tonight, we're going to the Bob Baker Marionette Theater to see the Nutcracker. Um, I really hope they do the uh, the, the little marionette guy song. I can't hum that <laughs> tune. <laughs> you see that? That's you when you were a baby. <laughs> I mean, it's the Christmas, it's the Nutcracker, so they're not going to do that, but um. <laughs> and Saturday we're going to Solvang, which is the Danish town, hmm. um, where it's like all of the buildings are like Danish, like windmills and like I'm just gonna walk around there, I guess. Then I don't think we really have much else Christmassy planned to do, but yeah, we don't have much like Christmassy type going on, mainly because it's really hard to do when you're broke. So fun, fun. In case you're wondering why we're just going on and on and on about Christmas plans, it's because uh, our our album today is not very long, so <laughs> we're kind of adding up a little time. So so uh, before we get into the rest of the show, let's do some plugs and housekeeping up front. So if you head over to our Patreon, that's Patreon.com/PunkLottoPod. For one dollar, you get access to all of our weekly bonus audio. Uh, that also includes the current. Uh, 
daily audio that I have been producing where I'm going through all the artists that put out records in 2022 that I listen to alphabetically. I just recorded the letter M. No, I didn't. It was the letter L today. That'll go up Friday. And I finished my notes for M and uh, need to hurry up and catch up because M is just Monday's episode. And I don't <laughs> hopefully I can get in an O thrown up on uh, Tuesday and Thursday pretty quickly. But so there's that. And then we also do our, our regular weekly bonus audio this week. We're not doing anything Christmas themed for it. I think we're going to attempt a new idea we've had where uh, we kind of reflect on a year, the year we started the podcast. We're, we're never going to pick like 2018 and assign it to a, a guest or anything like that because nobody wants to talk about something that only happened four years ago. And audiences don't care to listen either. So we thought about this kind of spun out of an idea I heard on another podcast where they said that movies, the Academy Awards should only be given out four years after the movie came out. So it'd be on a four year delay. That way you can actually avoid stuff like Green Book and Crash winning Best Picture and actually have like the good movies from that year that stood the test of time winning. So I it kind of spun out of that idea. And so I'm thinking we're going to take a look at 2018, what came out that year, what we picked to talk about on our best of that year. I thought about looking at that, too, and just being like, hmm, would you pick that again? You know, and we got a couple notes on our last Patreon audio. So last week we did one on it was a chart dive on the year 1997. Got two little uh, corrections. One from our buddy Jason. He said Furious George is George Tab from Maximum Rock and Roll. Oh. He said the band is somewhat famous besides the Son of Sam thing for pissing into the mail slot at the Lookout Record Store. <laughs> also, member Evan Cohen is Richie Ramon. Oh. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I knew that name Furious George was a name that i should know and then dave brown commented and said uh, this was an interesting conversation i remember 1997 that was when i was really getting into street punk and oi i also had to go and look at the best of 1997 list that i made back in 2017 and his he gave us his top five from that year riot squad by riot squad give him the boot volume one i think by various artists this is the heart drops by the heart drops bootlegger son by one man army and before you're punk, a punk rock tribute to 80s New Wave, another compilation. And he said, I always find it interesting the things that jump out on the charts to you guys versus what I remember or what stood out for me from those years. And uh, that was one thing I didn't really notice that it, it was. I saw a lot of Oi and street punk bands on that chart when we were looking at it, but I didn't think it was like an actual like trend. And I I forgot that there was that going on, too. I think that spun out of the. The rancid and swinging udders getting really big thing. Yeah, I don't know those bands very well, too, which probably didn't help for it to stand out to me on the charts. I mean, yeah. I guess I noticed that it was there, that there was a lot of it, but I wouldn't know what to name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to yeah, me, it, it is. It, Dave does make make a an interesting point. I think uh, the perspective of yeah, our perspective being more retrospective and his perspective being that he was what he remembers is going to be what he was noticing, like as a contemporary, you know, being actively paying attention to that to punk yeah. in the 90s. is going to be different from us being like children, <laughs> you know, in my case, being seven years old. Um, yeah, I would be like not really knowing 11. What, the punk 
was anything or even knowing how to really recognize broad genres (laughs) (laughs) other than like rock classical (laughs) i guess i I would have been aware of country music to some extent i think too that like the punk i'd say it's like the more the emo and the ska music from that period wound up being a little bit more culturally long lasting or impactful over the next 10 to 15 years just because of emo especially because what it blew up into and and ska partly because of like it's it's reputation of like showing up so so big and then fading yeah being being such a cultural like mainstream culture thing that people who are not into that music at all know what ska is as a genre because they were you know aware of music in 1997 yeah so like the street noise stuff was probably a, a little lower profile wave Though I bet you could have seen way more oi and street punk bands at like a local venue than you would have seen a lot of other styles. And and then we also got a couple notes on the episode we did last week on Him Kerosene's album Start Stop, which is a Patreon sponsored record. And uh, our friend Jason uh, reminded me that Fireside is the Swedish quicksand. And I yeah. told him <laughs> it all comes back to quicksand. And he said, but Fireside won a Swedish Grammy. And it's like. It's just these Swedes and these Norwegians, they just like giving out Grammys to more interesting styles of music than <laughs> than the U.S. And uh, Timothy Popkid said, because he shared the episode, because I think he got shouted out. Uh, he said, my favorite part is how they managed to find Sunday's Worst Enemy by Star Market while diving into talking about him kerosene. <laughs> and I told him, I was like, information was scarce and we had to fill it out with something. And he said, I figure when you started quoting my website, I buy way too many records dot com. <laughs> so we were inadvertently quoting this guy <laughs> on, on the show. He said, fun fact, though, Popkid Records put out that Star Market record in America, not Deep Elm. I'm inadvertently ah. all over this episode. Huh. <laughs> That's amazing. I don't know why I guess the Deep Elm tag on on. It might have been a later record. Someone's wrong or, yeah, maybe there's a, I don't know. And then he also posted, um, having seen picture of that horrid yellow him kerosene shirt, uh, I had to make my own. And he actually did, he sent a, he showed a post of his own him kerosene shirt. It's actually pretty cool. I don't know if you'll be able to see it. Ah, yeah, that's pretty cool. And then like the back of it has the start stop. Yeah. Yeah. So that was cool. But yeah, that was a that was one episode. I'm glad we got we got some fun conversation out of it. I do want that ugly ass him kerosene shirt though. <laughs> I found it too. Yeah, it's it's so bad looking. It's such of like I want more t-shirts like that. I want <laughs> bands to do t-shirts like that. That's the merch trend 2023. Just like really bad illustrations, like weird <laughs> 90s like Euro trash design that's that's what we need it's funny i used to go see he is legend live and i always complained about how much i hated their merch designs and now thinking about it i wish i'd bought some of that merch because now i think it's hilarious because like they had that one where it was just like the giant nose and sunglasses and a mustache and it just said like he is legend in bubble letters i want that shirt now i hated it then i want it now Ugly shirts now are kind of like AJJ had like a shit ton of ugly shirts early on, like, and I hated them. And it was just like, now I would love them. I don't know. It's funny how tastes change. Uh, yeah. So you can get all that on patreon.com 
slash Punk Lotto Pod. We're on all sorts of social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Punk Lotto Pod. And then email punklottopod at gmail.com. And our voicemail line, 202-688-PUNK. It's that time of year. Please start calling in and leaving your voicemails on your favorite albums of 2022, and we will play it on the show. I love doing this every year. I like I send out the the phone number to all these past guests, and I try and get them to call in and leave their messages. So uh, can't wait to see what we get, especially from uh, – what was his name? Two Fingers uh, <laughs> Bill or something like that. <laughs> our Madball Mystery Caller. But, uh, yeah, call and leave us your voicemail, and we'll play it on the show. Okay, so let's jump into the album. We've we wasted enough time. So last year we put up a poll on our Patreon saying, you know, we're gonna do a Christmas album. What do you want us to talk about? We put it up and it was a four way tie. And then I so I had to throw it on like Twitter and uh, Instagram to get results. And so the winner of that one wound up being Bad Religion's Christmas album, which we talked about last year, which people really liked that episode. So I went with the runner up from that last year, and today we are talking about Christmas Spirit. In My House by Joey Ramone. Hyman was born May 19th, 1951 in Queens, New York. Ironically, Joey is of Jewish descent and he has a Christmas album. Obviously, Joey has co-founded the Ramones in 1974 and they would go on to release uh, 14 studio albums and travel the world playing shows, becoming one of the most important rock bands in history. Then the Ramones broke up in 1996. So after they broke up, Joey performed at a Tuba City, Arizona festival called rock the reservation do you know where tuba city is yeah it's um navajo land um, oh okay yeah yeah it's called rock the reservation and he performed under the name joey ramon and the resistance which included a couple musician friends and this is where he debuted his version of what a wonderful world joey passed away in april 15th 2001 from a long private battle with lymphoma uh, he was diagnosed in 1995 with it and kept it secret until march of 2001 so after his death, his debut solo full-length album came out, Don't Worry About Me. It was released in 2002, and that brings us to this release. Christmas Spirit in My House was released December 9th, 2002 on Sanctuary Records. It is classified as a maxi-single, 
And this EP is only five tracks long and features two songs from the album, Don't Worry About Me. The personnel on this album is Joey Ramone on vocals and a lot of other people, which we'll just talk about them song by song. So we'll get to them later. And the album was produced by Daniel Ray. Daniel produced multiple Ramones and Ramones side albums, including Halfway to Sanity, Adios Amigos. He produced the original Merry Christmas, I Don't Want to Fight Tonight, as well as Pet Cemetery. He did the D.D. Ramone records. So he was he was like a, a collaborator with the Ramones for a while. And so, yeah, this is a five song EP it features three Christmas songs and uh, two just songs from the uh, from the album. But uh, we'll get into that in a minute. I was going to say, like, I'm not going to ask you what's your experience with the Ramones, because <laughs> that's dumb. Uh, everyone knows. Um, have you ever heard this EP before? No. Um, I'm trying to remember if I've heard, even heard this version, this Joey Ramone cover of uh, Christmas Baby, Please Come Home. Uh, I mean, I'm familiar with his version of What a Wonderful World. Um, yeah. But no, I, I haven't listened to this EP. I'm, yeah, so it was a new experience. With a very known quantity. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out how to tackle this one. I, I mean, I figure we would just go song by song and just give our thoughts on it. Because it's such a short release. We can do that and have, you know, so we're not just having to give general feelings about it. But do you have any, like, overall feelings on it? I don't think that it was a necessary release. I mean, I understand it was really more of a promotional release. I really think that the Christmas songs could have just been tacked on to a deluxe edition of the CD. I don't know. It's it's an unusual release for what is essentially just two new songs uh, and only, two, you know, only two actual Christmas songs. Like it's not it's not unenjoyable to listen to, um, but it does have an inconsistent feel throughout it and just has such a like, what's the point quality that it's hard to get really excited while you're listening to it. So is there is there a part of you or any any part of you at all that does it feel exploitive or just trying to like cash in at all? Uh, not any more than any of the Ramones stuff like post or any of the posthumous Ramones stuff or even really any of the stuff that came out after they broke up. Yeah. Um, anything that they did individually or which like. I don't know, like Joey benefited from everything that he did post Ramon's breakup, like, but he also like kind of had to do that. You know, it's, you know, it's, it's a situation comparable to like a lot of musicians who kind of suffered for a really long time, but kept playing music. So like Dick Dale, Dick Dale touring and with his health conditions and really like not having any other option, like he couldn't go do anything else. People would go see him, so he tore, but, like, you know, he is tour, was touring with, like, a colostomy bag. Yeah. You know, like, really not in good health and not in good condition and not really wanting to do it. And, like, even someone, and someone like Link Ray kind of having to be, like, not the healthiest person, but just, like, what else was he going to do? I don't get the sense of, like, the kinds of exploitation that are, you would associate with, like, parts of Daniel Johnson's career, parts of Rocky Erickson's career, where you have like someone with maybe not the best cognitive abilities being manipulated by someone else, which I don't know, not to say that I don't think that people should have been hearing Daniel Johnson's music or seeing him live. I think that what he did was valuable and 
beautiful and people should have been able to participate in it. But there were people benefiting from it who did had nothing to do with its creation, taking advantage of someone who didn't know that they could say no to this person. So I don't get that sense from this, which I mean, obviously this being released after his death, it's like, well, literally every musician who dies has their music that maybe they didn't even want to release being put out and have people making money off of their name. Yeah. I I don't really get that either. Cause like Ramones broke up in 96 and Joey just kind of did whatever he wanted to for the rest of his life. Like, yeah, he was battling with cancer that whole time, but like the type of things he did during that time period, it was just kind of like, yeah, I'll go play this festival. Yeah, I'll go play. I'll have the Huntingtons be my backing band for two shows at CBGB's. You know, like he never seemed like he was, well, I got to do this. Because I imagine he actually probably lived a pretty financially comfortable life. Yeah, I was going to say the the Ramones never, to my knowledge, never really had a major royalties or like merchandising rights squabble. There's mm-hmm. no like famous lawsuit where it's like Johnny and Joey sued each other and one of them yeah. got, you know, control over the merchandise and one of them got royalties or like nothing, nothing, nothing like that comes to mind. I don't I think that they probably very early on locked into a in a very agreeable merchandising contract. And mm-hmm. uh, their all of their recordings, all of their writing credits are have been well established at the beginning of their career, like who wrote what songs has yeah. always been pretty well documented. So there, I don't think there's ever been any room for any major royalties disputes. So whoever wrote the songs got, got those royalties and whoever performed on them, whatever they would have agreed to and whatever recording contract. I don't know. I don't know that those were ever not paid out. Cause I mean, they were getting, they were working for major labels pretty early on or at least independent labels that operated like majors. So Ramon's merch has always sold. I was going to say the Ramones were merch machines too. Like there there's Ramones on everything. And it's very funny that nobody really like cr- criticizes the Ramones for putting their name and logo on stuff the way they criticize a lot of other punk bands. Maybe it's because they were on Sire from like the beginning. They were a major label band from the beginning outside yeah. of their CBGB days, you know? And like while they're considered like the godfathers of punk, they basically invented modern American punk rock. They didn't really have like a the punk rock ethos and aesthetics and all this other stuff didn't really apply to them. They didn't really follow it. They didn't claim it. A lot of that just came from like American hardcore doing that and the UK punk scene, too. Yeah, I mean, I think that they had the we get to do whatever we want. Like, yeah punk rock attitude like i feel like they they kind of you know kind of and if there was and if there was a ramones ethos it was there was something very democratic in the way that the band was presented Mm -hmm. um that they all had the same stage name you know the ramones stage name that they were their name whoever was playing in the band at that time's name was put on the record was put on the merch like you know yeah as a four piece with four members doing distinct things within the band, there's no overlap of guitars. There's no, so there's no like lead rhythm guitarist dynamics. There's no, like no one would dispute that what the other person in the band was doing was essential or not. Like it was like songs got to have vocals. 
songs gotta have guitars songs gotta have bass songs (laughs) gotta have drums like that's it like but and then they could just kind of just do whatever they wanted like and certainly they would have argued about what songs made the records and like what kind of songs they were going to write and play but it it also kind of often boiled down to like well what songs do we have to record at the moment (laughs) yeah those are the ones we're gonna do those are the ones that are going on the record so yeah, I imagine John. Uh, I mentioned the arguments really stem to, hey, what's my points on this album? Yeah, I gotta make sure I have this many this many tracks on the record. <laughs> yeah, like, Johnny being like, no, Dee Dee, you got too many. It's my turn to have some. <laughs> Which is like a classic, like that's a classic rock band dispute of being like, yeah, I don't have enough songs on this record, and <laughs> it's like, oh, we can't let. You know, it's like Beach Boys records where they're like, ah, we can't have any Dennis songs on this one because we got too many Brian and Carl songs. We got to let <laughs> we got to have let Al and Mike get a couple in here. Can't be a brother's record. It's got to be it's got to be the Beach Boys, not the Beach Wilsons <laughs> or the Wilson boys. That's the joke. Merry Christmas. I don't want to fight tonight Merry Christmas I don't want to fight tonight Merry Christmas I don't want to fight tonight with you Where is Santa? but yeah it obviously was i think it was more personal <laughs> but they really just hated each other is what it was right. <laughs> yeah and then dd had his problems you know with his substance abuse issues his entire life so that was always that's probably also a source of some conflict but joey and johnny weren't uh clean as so you know they weren't straight edge you know they definitely took their their turn with that kind of stuff yeah the ramones no one was ever sober in the ramones yeah they partied I guess Joey and Johnny were able to maintain theirs a little clearer, but 
Well, and Joey and Johnny had their other like issues. <laughs> yeah, Joey being, you know, OCD and though that could also Johnny be being an asshole. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's his issue. <laughs> yeah, jo- Joey being OCD might explain why he stayed in the band the entire time too. Like that may have cons- been a part of it. But yeah, it. So yeah, I, nobody ever gets mad at their moments. Oh, what you got your shirt, the Urban Outfitters? What you know? Like I've seen uh, Ramon's lighters at gas stations. So, you know, <laughs> right next to Misfits, the other one, the one that everybody else is like, fuck you, Misfits, for putting your logo on everything. It's like, what? Ramon's are right there, too. And The Clash. Look, they're right next to each other. <laughs> and the Misfits one, the Misfits one is funny, too, because there was a legitimate dispute between like, you know, a legal dispute. And and it's like people are like, oh, look at. Jerry only is just only trying to make money, and it's like, well, because he never made money <laughs> in the when he should have been. <laughs> like, so he was really just coming after what he was owed. You know, it's like the dead Kennedys going at, at Jello and being like, "Yo, you're bad at accounting." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. With with Dan, like with the Misfits too, like Danzig signs off on every piece of merchandise too. Like they are not allowed to make merchandise that does not gets passed through Danzig so yeah you can't even get mad at Jerry only because Glenn was yeah whatever <laughs> yeah I get my cut this will fund my dark goth piano record my <laughs> my dungeon synth my uh erotic comic book line <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna make my model girlfriend um act in my gross low budget horror movie based <laughs> on my erotic comic book line <laughs> Yeah. Uh, speaking of punk and Christmas, I, if you've never seen the Glenn Danzig opening Christmas presents pictures, <laughs> those are a real treat. Got to revisit those. <laughs> well, let's talk about the songs on here because it's five tracks and we'll just go we'll go one by one. So the very first track is Christmas, baby, please come home. This is a cover of is it the Ronettes version. I should have looked that part up. You look that up. And while you're doing that, I'll lay I'll give you the. Uh, the personnel on this track. So we have Howie Pyro on bass. He was a CBGB's original who knew Joey from the 70s. We also have Michael Wildwood on drums and Danny Sage on guitar. So Howie Pyro, Michael Wildwood, and Danny Sage were all members of the band Degeneration. So they're all in the same group together. We have Ed Mannion playing sax, who he's a session musician who famously did tons of work on the Springsteen album, tons of Springsteen records, Springsteen site, like little Stevie records. Like he's just all over those albums, like a lot of the 90s stuff. What was his name again? Ed Mannion. He is probably, if I'm not mistaken, one of the um, what's the name of the group? Not E Street Band. No, he's not an E Street member, but he would have been one of the Miami Horns. Oh, okay. Uh, which is Little Steven's horn section, basically. Yeah, he's on a bunch of Little Steven records. He's on a bunch. He did some Gary U.S. Bombs stuff, too. Like, Yeah. He's any, not in any the E Street the, Band, but he's around. Any of the stuff that they, that like Little Steven and Bruce produced, so like the Gary U.S. Bonds, uh, some of the as the Johnny and the Az, Southside Johnny stuff. Uh, one of the Miami Horns also is is uh, was he in uh, Max Weinberg seven then? Because generally the Max Weinberg seven includes 
because Labamba's one of the Miami Horns. This is this is entirely beside the point. Sorry, I'm going down. <laughs> uh, we also have Jesse Mallon on guitar and Daniel Ray playing guitar, as well as Joe McGinty playing keys. And Joe McGinty played keys in the psychedelic first from like the late '80s to like the mid '90s. So he's a member for a while there. And then in our backing vocals, we have Ronnie Spector and Trisha Scotty. And Trisha Scotty provided backing vocals on the same album that Ronnie Spector released that Joey produced in 1999. So Joey produced a Ronnie Spector record in 1999. And so that's why he got her to come in. And then I think there's someone else on here. Andy Korn, the percussionist on this song, also played on that Ronnie Spector album. So he got... I guess he was trying to recreate as much of the the Ronettes feel. Were you able to find out if this is a Ronette song? Christmas Baby, Please Come Home is the Darlene Love song. Uh, it is produced by Phil Spector. Um, it's notable for being on the Christmas Gift to You album, which is the, the Phil Spector produced. Okay. You know, Darlene, Ronettes, like it's a compilation record, but. I was curious if she's on that song, but she's not. Which, okay, so that fits in with, with Joey's love of, like, girl groups, because Joey's really, he loved girl groups from the 60s. And I assume working with Ronnie Spector was, like, a, a big treat for him. As a Christmas song itself, is where does this song kind of land for you? Is this on the, no, I hate it? <laughs> or or is it, like, on the, oh, okay, that's one I enjoy. Uh, I love the original. I really like that album in general. Um, those are good, nostalgic Christmas songs that I can always come back to, you know, as far as other versions of this song, there's not really any that I care about. Who else we got? The notable versions being Mariah Carey. Uh, Michael Buble has a version of it. U2 is on that one, one of those Christmas compilations. I feel like I can remember their version being played on the radio. I mean, it's been done by everyone. But yeah, I'm just trying to think of like the notable ones. I would, I, I mean, I would say like just like by the sound of it and style. I mean, the other charting versions of it are the Mariah Carey and the Michael Bublé versions. But of the notable inter, other interpretations of it, I would say that this is one that I would reach for. I mean, I guess the U2 version could. I would imagine that U2 would do it differently. I do think that what this version suffers from is that it is such an accurate rendition of it just with big distorted guitars <laughs> um that it's kind of like uh i guess you didn't really make this your own <laughs> you were trying in every other way to make it as close to the original as possible yeah uh, i think it's well done i think this is one of the songs that's on my I don't like Christmas music, so like it's just not a thing that I like. But there are a handful that I can get behind, and this is one where I'm like, all right, I like I like this song enough. Like I've heard it a million billion times because I work retail, so I've heard it. I've heard it enough with the advent of the Chris, the 24/7 Christmas radio station. I I've heard it enough, and Joey's voice works well with it. I think you're right though with them using these these the the sax from Springsteen's band and like him utilizing Ronnie Spector. And he was trying to recreate that with his, his degeneration buddies. Yeah. Uh, you know, it feels like something they did for fun more than anything. 
Um, which, you know, I can't fault them for that. Yeah. It's probably one of my favorite tracks on here. It might be one of the best tracks on here. Yeah, it is what I expected it. It is, for the most part, what I expected this EP to be. Yeah. Um, and it is actually really the only thing that it actually is. I mean, <laughs> I would put his version of What a Wonderful World kind of in the same lane as this. Yeah. Um, I do think they take more like personal creative liberty with the What a Wonderful World, which we can talk about more when we get to that song. But yeah, so uh, we'll move on to track number two. So that is Merry Christmas. I don't want to fight tonight. So this is a Ramon's original Christmas song. I mentioned it earlier, but it, it was featured on the album Brain Drain. It was put on there. It's funny they put that on there. But um, personnel on this record, we have Steve Jordan on drums, who he's a session musician, and he's most notable for playing the drums on the Blues Brothers movie soundtrack. He's not in the movie, but it's his drumming being featured in the in the, the, the movie. Uh, Mickey Lee, who is Joey's brother, on guitar, bass, and and backing vocals. He also produced this track. Tommy Mandel on keys and Andy Chernoff on bass, and he was the bassist of The Dictators. So, okay, Merry Christmas, Don't Want to Fight Tonight is a classic Ramon's Christmas tune. Uh, it's their original Christmas tune. This is some, like, jazzy, smooth lounge version of that song. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> like, so, when I saw that it was on here, I was like, well, I mean, there's the Ramones version. He did the Ramones version already. What's what's going to be different? Uh, so they decided to produce it entirely differently. Um, I don't think I mean, it was interesting to hear an alternate version of it, but I, there's nothing about it that makes it essential. I will just go listen to the Ramones version. Yeah. Being that it's the same singer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess that was their thinking like, but I don't know why they I don't know why they even did it. Because it's not like, unless he's just like, I want a version where Johnny doesn't get any money from it. <laughs> I don't know if that's what, if he even cared. It's a weird, which if he got, if he has writing credits on it, I don't think he does. I think Joey gets the writing credits solely on that song. But yeah. And yeah, it's just like, what? Well, I get it. They're known for, their moms were known for their Christmas song. So minus, you, you kind of have to, to make it a Christmas release, you have to put it with this. And you might as well just do something different with it. I don't think they made it better. In fact, I think they made it worse because <laughs> the original is great. Like top five favorite Christmas songs, period. So this didn't uh, cause me to look up other covers because I was like, this is the Ramones original. So who's covered it? And the good covers that I found, Alex LaHaye, indie musician. They did one recently. Pretty good version. Kind of lo-fi garage. Little Steven has a version. Slow Gherkin have a version. I think it's from like 2017. It's pretty fun. They're doing a ska version of it. That comes with a single with their version of Christmas Rapping, which is my other favorite Christmas song. So that's actually a pretty fun little combo of tunes. CJ Ramon appears on a cover of it by a band called The Do Nots. Smash Mouth have an entire Christmas album, and they do this song. That's That should be my go-to Christmas album, the Smash Mouth Christmas record. And weirdly, the Huntingtons don't have a good version of it. The band who has four fucking Ramones cover albums has yet to do a good version of this song. There's one that's just like a really super lo-fi, shitty quality version. And then another one 
that sounds like someone in the band who doesn't sing in the band normally. So I don't know what they were doing with that one. <laughs> Weird. But yeah, inessential and arguably is at the end of the um, Christmas music. <laughs> What is that? Is that a Christmas song? No, it is not. <laughs> it's what is it about? It's about a ghost in his house. Like, I feel like you could fit it in here on like, it's, is it a Christmas carol uh, song? But there's <laughs> nothing about it that is Christmassy. Uh, it's I got a spirit in my house. I know it ain't no mouse. So there's maybe another <laughs> like quiet, you know, not even a mouse. I got demons in my house. Spirit in my house, spirit in my house. It's really it. I got demons in my head. I should have stayed in bed. So it's really not at all a Christmas song. I somehow missed that this is actually on the record, the LP. It is. Don't worry about me. So this only, this only has two new songs, and the rest are all just not tracks from the Don't Worry About Me album. Spirit, it, okay, so that makes way more sense. To me, this is like a big rock track, and it kind of sounds like something they would have done in like the Animal Boy era. And I guess like you can be like, Christmas spirit is how you tie it. And put it on here. It almost gives me a little bit of the spirit in the sky feel. I don't know, like the lyrics, the way he's got it written, or if that's what he's trying to go for. But the person on this is Frank Funaro on drums. He played with Camper Van Beethoven and Cracker, Andy Chernoff on bass, Daniel Ray on guitar, and Joe McGinty on the keys. So this these last couple tracks, they all come from the album, so they're gonna feature a lot of similar artists. Yeah. It, it changes the feelings on that song now that I rem- realize that it's not a, even remotely a Christmas song. Because I was like, man, they didn't put any jingle bells or anything on this one. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't even try to make it Christmassy. <laughs> yeah, it's really, I mean, it's a good song. I, I like I the really song. Like, I like the way that he builds up that chorus. The in my house, in my house, in my house, like that, like lead up that he does to that. I like that. Yeah, I would say it's the best song on this EP. Uh, it's just too bad it's not a Christmas song. You think it's the best song? Yeah, I think it's a good song, and I think it's performed well, and there's nothing like unusual about the production. Hmm. It's like the right production for the song. And it doesn't have any, you don't have anything, like with Christmas Baby, Please Come Home, you don't have anything to compare it to. It's because this is just an original song. You don't have, you don't say like, well, this sounds like they're just trying to do the original Mm -hmm. and not doing it as well um yeah i don't know i think i think it's it's also really short yeah yeah all right moving on track number four it is don't worry about me this is off of the album don't worry about me the personnel is frank funaro on drums mickey lee on guitar andy shernoff on bass and daniel ray daniel ray on guitar and joe mcginty on the keys uh this is the the title track of the album don't worry about me this it's a sad one I think 
I think so. The album "Don't Worry About Me" came out a year after, not even a full year, but almost a year after Joey passed away, and like they called it "Don't Worry About Me," and it's just like I don't know if that was the original album title. I think it that line takes on a completely different meaning after he passed away than when what he intended it to mean in the song because the song is just about a a relationship that she's ignoring him or something like that you know it's not like a it's not a highest you know planes above song it's a girl song like that's all it is for joey that's what he wrote it for i think after his passing it that line alone and the chorus just took a completely different feeling because yeah it's like lyrically i want you baby but that's always a lie always complaining or contemplating suicide Ooh, joey okay uh, I want you, baby. I don't even want to know why. Always complaining. Said bye, bye, bye. Don't worry about me. Yeah, yeah. It just it just feels different. Because <laughs> you're not really paying attention to what the verse is, really. Anyway, on that song. So you thought "Spirit in My House" is better than this song? Yeah, it's more fun. Yeah. I think uh, I think that's what I want from a Joey Armand song. Yeah. It's got this like bluesy palm muted guitar riff over it too. Like it, that's like the verse. G g g g g. I don't know. It, chunky guitars are not really what I think of when I think of the Ramones. And so that's what some of these solo songs have. And our last track, it is What a Wonderful World. This one is Andy Shirtoff on bass, Daniel Ray on guitar, and featuring Marky Ramone. I, th- I believe that means he plays drum on, drums on it because it doesn't have a credit for Frank Fernaro on this track. So it, this is doing the stripped down Ramones one, two, three, four just a version of what a wonderful world. And it's amazing. Like I'm surprised their moans didn't do this before Joey did it by himself because it works so well. Like it's a pretty famous version of what a wonderful world outside the Louis Armstrong version. Yeah. I feel like it's the version that you're going to hear on a grocery store um, playlist. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like you're going to run into this version of the song in real life more often than you are the original version. I feel like the original version has, it's so like schmaltzy that it doesn't make sense to just listen to it any time. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's so like over the top. Yeah. And slow weirdly like that is, you know, that Hawaiian guy who did his version that was everywhere in the two thousands, his version is more upbeat even. It's yeah. just him and a ukulele and him just like, <laughs> Yeah, looking at like all the other versions, though, it's just like mm, Nick Cave and Shane McGowan did a version. What? <laughs> Anne Murray, Rod Stewart, Barbara Streisand. These are all listed under the notable versions. Willie Nelson. But it's like, no, they're most versions. Like Joey's version is also notable. I don't know why that's not credited there, but it's been used in movies. It's a way to make the song fun, because otherwise it's just a little, you know, bluey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not a song I want to really ever hear any other versions of. Yeah. Yeah. I um, I liked it. I think it's probably my favorite song on the whole album, but also or EP. But also it doesn't really, shouldn't really count because it's not really, you know, it's just a maxi single. I don't know. Was that a single for the actual album? Because if it wasn't, I think that was a mistake. Okay, it was the single. Okay. So even then, it probably had already been released as a single and it was just thrown on here just to fill it up for a maxi single. And 
Here's a question uh, to anyone who was buying music in the 90s uh, as an adult. Why was the maxi single? <laughs> Did you buy them? Did you not feel ripped off every time you bought them? <laughs> Were you and, and I guess this is there's a very narrow um, range of ages in which this question applies because i can i can certainly understand how if you were used to buying singles uh like 45s the maxi single would be appealing because you it's more than just the 45 and so you're already used to buying just two songs so you're like all right tack on three more (laughs) um but if you were like buying cds like you got used to buying music in the cd era or even the cassette era uh, like was the single big enough i think the single okay so i think it's a medium issue so when you're going with a 45 or a or a, just a seven inch single there's only so much room on that record anyway on the you vinyl can, you can see the limitation yeah with a with a single they only put as much tape as they needed in the tape so even then you're kind of like all right well, it's whatever the tape costs you know it's whatever the they're usually cheaper. They're like a buck, usually one to three dollars, usually. So if you were just like, I really like that song. I want to hear it bunch. I, I don't <laughs> I don't understand the single as far as a listening experience as much. But I do. I, I understand the CD single even less. I think that's a case of you got all the material here. Like it, all the material that you need for a CD is on is there already. It's yeah. not like it's just they only made a unless you got those little mini CDs that like nobody used those little tiny little promotional gimmicky CDs. So to me, a maxi single feels like a massive ripoff because I guess the idea was I think most maxi singles just consisted of like one to three songs from the album and a, usually a bunch of remixes. Yeah, I can't see the maxi single appealing to anyone other than people who are into dance music. Yeah, um, where you're going to want to hear five different versions where they apply different filtering to the song <laughs> yeah. um, to listen on your like insanely high def sound system. Uh, that's another like music listener that I don't understand is like the people who are deep into dance music. And it's like, uh, these headphones have the greatest fidelity <laughs> to hear the same beat 120 times. Yeah, uh, but also people who listen to dance music like that. Are you dancing at home? Because I was under the impression that people don't dance at home like they do at the club. So what's the point of listening to dance music at home? I get dancing dance music for uh, exercise purposes because it's a very usually a fast driving beat that can kind of keep you like in rhythm and motivated. But I don't know, listening to dance music at home. I just I just never thought about like, no, you're not dancing like that at home. <laughs> So, yeah, like, what's the point of, of a maxi single? I guess the the point of this is these two Christmas songs are not on the album, but nobody wants to buy a two song single. So here's a couple more tracks. Like, I feel like that's the only reason why this exists the way that it does. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a frustrating listen, because if I'm reaching for Christmas music, I'm probably going to want to listen to more Christmas music. Yeah. Like if I'm like, all right. This is the hour that I'm spending listening to Christmas music. I'm going to listen to an hour of Christmas music, not two Christmas songs, three regular songs, <laughs> a Christmas song. You know, like I don't want to break up because if I start listening to something that's not Christmas music, 
it's going to shut the Christmas music window. <laughs> it's going to be like, well, I guess I'm going to I'm just going to listen to whatever I want. Um, I don't want something that's not Christmas music in between Christmas songs. Yeah. So if I put this on, I'm not going to then put on a Christmas album. So maybe this this exists to try and get people to buy the album then. They're like, you've probably not heard these three Joey Ramone solo songs. Yeah, I mean, I would assume that's the purpose. Um, you would you would go if you're if you're Christmas shopping and you see Joey Ramone Christmas. Oh, it's a maxi single. <laughs> oh well, it's cheap. I'll buy it. I don't know these songs. And then you listen to it and you're like, oh hey, I guess I'll go buy that Joey Ramone album that I didn't know came out. Yeah. Yeah, I don't imagine Sanctuary Records had a huge push. They were like a BMG thing, subsidiary or something. I do remember reading, I had some random magazine. I don't think it was a music magazine, just some random magazine. I I wish I knew what magazine it even was. It's probably not even like a regular one. But in it, it had a little blurb on that Joey Ramone, Don't Worry About Me album. And I remember reading as a kid being like, he died? Like, I didn't know... (laughs) You know, I didn't know in 2001, you know, so I was reading this in 2002 being like, oh, I didn't even know he died. Um, And then like just reading about that album and the title and what a wonderful world and all that. But so I only had a negative connotation with that album, just a sad connotation to that record, because there's there's no way to listen to that record and be like, all right, I'm sure pumped to listen to this album that reminds me of mortality, you know. Yeah. Of this legendary musician dying very young. He was only like 50 or something like that. It's like, I don't know. Maybe they maybe they had a hard time selling it. Yeah, maybe. Though people tend to run out and buy stuff when musicians die. So I don't know. I imagine people ran out and bought a bunch of Ramones records when he died. But I don't know. Not, I don't feel like they had that kind of... People who liked Ramones already had Ramones records, I guess. <laughs> so... I don't know. It's interesting as a Christmas piece of music. It's um, I don't know. Not essential. Go to Spotify and make a playlist and then put the original Ramones version of Mary. Uh, I don't want to fight anymore. And this version of uh, Baby, Please Come Home next to each other. And I think you'll get as much out of it. I mean, if you like these other songs, they're they're good songs. So I have heard that record. I don't really remember it very well, though. And I think it's it falls under that. It kind of sounds like the Ramones, but it's not the Ramones feel to it. And it's not. And you just want to listen to the Ramones instead. But yeah. So I um, I actually messaged Dylan last night well, before I started working on my notes. I was like, this, this, this is just five songs and only two Christmas songs. Should we do something else? <laughs> uh, And I said, what did I say? We'll find uh, more. We'll find enough to talk about. <laughs> I think we did. We had this episode sufficiently. Uh, So if you feel like this was a maxi single episode, (laughs) um, you know that you have me to blame. Uh, I will (laughs) take responsibility for that. (laughs) Yeah, my suggestion was, should we just listen to the the Joey record and just talk about it with it? Could have worked, I guess, but then it'd be weird. It would be a weird breakdown. I (laughs) probably should have picked a different one. What was the uh, there was. I remember we had a couple of runners up. Well, it's they're not good options either. This punk goes pop, I think. If we're if we're changing horses midstream, uh, none of the other options really appeal to me. We might have to do Smash Mouth Christmas next year. That's fine. I'm fine with that. 
there's a lot of compilations, which is hard to do compilations. Yeah, I mean, we can do the... Um, the third runner-up was like Punk Goes is, Christmas, I think. Yeah. Or like we could do one of those like 70s Christmas punk compilations that has like a motor, motorhead doing Run Run Rudolph. <laughs> <laughs> and like the, the Dickies doing <laughs> Hooray for Santa Claus. <laughs> I did find some more compilations that I was not fam- familiar with this year doing some research. So there's actually a lot more out there. The They Might Be Giants Christmas EP would probably be a good one too. Santa's beard and we got options for future. But uh, I think that'll I think it'll sufficiently do it for this episode. Thank you everyone for listening. We hope you have a Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah, Joy or Moan. There we go. Any other you know religious holidays you celebrate or do not celebrate. Uh, Happy Kwanzaa. Mm-hmm. I don't think Ramadan's around now this year. I unfortunately don't know much about Muslim holidays, but New Year's is coming up, so make sure to listen to uh, that one Motion City soundtrack album, and it has two New Year's Eve songs. Weirdly, I have a a pretty, I have a good New Year's Eve playlist that's just uh, songs that mention New Year's Eve, and it's got some good songs on it. Uh, but We'll be back next week. We'll be back before New Year's too. So, but if you didn't hear, if you only hear this and not the uh, following weeks, then thank you. You want to plug anything personal, like your personal uh, accounts online? We always do the ba- the podcast stuff up top, but uh, I'm Husker Dylan. Um, that's H U S K E R D Y L A N. Um, everywhere. I do not use Twitter anymore. I finally actually deleted the app from my phone. Fuck Elon. I'm done with it. Um, I'm tired of the notifications popping up on my phone of tweets that I absolutely never want to see. Uh, (laughs) The the app was constantly always showing me. So it's really just Instagram. I don't post anything on TikTok, but you can follow me. I might start posting something. I don't know. That's a lot of work, though. What about Hive? You on Hive? You can if you can go follow me on Hive. Um, I won't know. I'm don't know <laughs> if I will get a notification or not. If I open the app, it crashes. Uh, so Hive is not something I'm using, but I'm there. Um, I don't think anyone's using Hive because the only person I follow who's posted anything posted two weeks ago. So, uh, I am not on. Um, I have not joined the stoner metal band Mastodon. uh or social my what's social that's that's the third one that's out there well i guess i'll look into that one see if that's usable uh you can always follow me at huskerdillon.tumblr.com i do post stuff on tumblr again because why not just gotta scream into the void somewhere (laughs) uh that's it for social media personal plugs um no band stuff to share yet, though. Hopefully soon. And then, if you want to follow my stuff, I'm on I'm Juice Killer at both Twitter and Instagram. Um, I'm I think I'm like Swamp Squatch 86 on TikTok because I've decided I like Swamp Squatch better as a handle than Juice Face Killer. Just because I've seen so many other Face Killer names that I was just like, hmm, let's let's be Swamp Swamp Squatch. Um, I'm on Hive too, but I guess everyone gave up on trying to find an alternative to Twitter and they're just waiting for it to die, which at this point, I don't think it's going to die. If anything, Elon will probably sell it to somebody. So that dude sucks. <laughs> yeah. Um, and don't, don't, I mean, you can add me on Facebook. I look at it, but I don't want to be on Facebook any more than I am. Though I guess it is cool. You can message me there. I think it's Juice Face Killer there too. I don't know. Facebook's a, 
that's for moms. That's for, that's for the people you literally know in your real life. <laughs> yeah. If you add me on Facebook um, and I don't already know who, who you are, I will probably not add you back. Yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah. Uh, in all honesty. But I literally never post anything on Facebook. No. Um, if I do, it's what I posted on Instagram. And my mom follows me on Instagram now, so I really don't have to post anything on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if you want to see, like, cat pictures, that's what you'll get on my, my Instagram and random stories I feel like sharing. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you, everyone. Hope you all have a good Christmas, and we'll see you next week with the beginning of the best of 2022. Get our lists ready. All right. Talk to you later.